Hi, I'm Pat Vesu, President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the host of Focus on Cancer. We have a very special guest on today's show, Reverend Percy McRae Jr., who is the director of the Signature Pastoral Care Program at CTCA and a fully ordained minister. Um, but Percy recently has also had a, a new perspective of what it's like to be a cancer patient, was recently diagnosed with colon cancer. And Percy, thank you so much for being on the show. But before we even get into the incredible program that you lead, how are you doing? Well, Pat, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. I'm very blessed and fortunate. Um, as mentioned, I was diagnosed with colon cancer back in July of 2019. I had experienced some symptoms and had been around this conversation long enough to, to know that uh, to listen to my body and pay attention to some things. And so I did some follow-up uh, screenings and et cetera. And sure enough, I was diagnosed early stage one colon cancer, uh, found uh, a 4.4 size centimeter uh, tumor uh, on the right side of my colon, had surgery to remove one third uh, of my colon to take care of that. And I, I kiddingly tell people today, just refer to me as Reverend Semicolon. Uh, but uh, on a very serious note, I am doing exceptionally well. I feel great. Uh, and at this stage of the game, I have just received my recent evaluation back in January, and uh, I was told that there is no evidence of disease at this point. So we are grateful and excited and hopeful as we move forward. So thank you for asking. Well, I'm so, so glad to hear that you're doing well. Uh, you have, uh, I love your sense of humor about it. Uh, you have such an amazing gift of uh, making people feel uh, comfortable and and safe in in an environment, and and just so thankful for all you do for so many patients. Again, I can't wait to to get into uh, what I think is just such a powerful and and unique uh, program. Uh, but just in, in terms of your diagnosis, uh, Percy, sometimes I, in talking to patients, I think of cancer as as sort of unlike other diseases which tend to have this kind of progression, cancer all too often seems to kind of be lightning out of a blue sky. Is it, was, was that your, despite your familiarity with this and despite your spiritual uh, support of so many patients, was that feeling kind of similar for you? Was it just kind of this jolt out of the blue? Uh, as you know, I've been in this arena for you know 20 plus years serving and supporting cancer patients. And in a very interesting and ironic way, it was almost as if I have been in a dress rehearsal, uh, unconsciously uh, being groomed and prepared for the potentiality of one day being told that I would be a cancer patient. And thus, when I was told that, I was not terribly shocked or surprised. I was not emotionally taken aback. It required a moment for me to kind of digest, as I think is the case for any and all cancer patients initially, hearing that term being directly associated uh, to you. But you know, for many years, uh, I've been talking the walk of cancer and very, very uh, vehement and very supportive of encouraging people uh, to believe and expect good things to happen and to be hopeful. But then it became time for me to actually walk that talk. And I believe that that was part of the next assignment for me 
uh, to authentically to be able to speak to this audience and look them in the eye and say, I too now know how you feel. Uh, I too understand what it what it means to hear those terms. And I too can now say with, with a greater sense of authenticity and compassion uh, that one sense of faith and spirituality potentially uh, can empower them to work through the rigors and the challenges of emotionally, uh, mentally, physically being told that you have cancer. And so it became a gift for me having the fact that I had served and supported this community for so long. So the simple answer is I was really not taken aback. and I really was not surprised. Amazing. Uh, I really always enjoy just your your perspective on, on frankly, all things and, and even just your your metaphor to a, a dress rehearsal there uh, prior to, um, you know, as, as you kind of mentioned being on stage with, with this affecting you. And again, uh, I, I'm just so glad that, that you're doing well. And it does sound like it did, despite your uh, 20 plus years in, in doing what you do, that it did change your perspective uh, in, in talking to patients. Um, let, let's kind of shift into exactly what you, what you do. Um, when, when we talk about spiritual support, when we talk about pastoral care in the setting of patient care, uh, tell our audience, what, what, what is that? What does it mean? Uh, when I started in this arena 20 plus years ago, uh, there, was, there was a lot of very fuzzy um, misunderstanding about this very dynamic. And I recall being given the opportunity by leadership at Cancer Treatment Centers of America back on that fateful day when I was given the keys to the car and I was told, we're gonna give you this much room to work with and don't crash the car, but make spirituality uh, a real presence in this environment, but allow it to have a respectful balance with regard to uh, the dynamics of medical care and make sure that there is an amalgamation, a marriage, a partnership. And so to answer your question, Spiritual care within the clinical context is not necessarily praying away cancer per se. There certainly are patients and, and caregivers who are praying that their cancer will be somehow removed either by a hand of, of God or by the actions of good clinical medical care. And what I have been able to uh, walk a very uh, consistent balance of is that uh, we do not dictate to God under any set of circumstances of when and how he does whatever he will do, but that we will leave any door open that will allow that to take place while we are walking the path of good clinical care and, and understanding and utilizing all of the tools and the resources that are available to us intellectually, biologically, medically, and et cetera. Uh, and the way that I've been able to reconcile that and help people in the faith community to, to strike a, a respectful balance is a particular scripture that says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so medicine and science is a gift. Uh, and, and that gift came from God. And so we can still align our spiritual sensibilities of, of calling upon and drawing upon the help of God while utilizing and working through good medical clinical practices and combine those two forces together to create the possibility of a force that will allow patients to potentially move forward and hopefully survive a bout of cancer. 
And so we are really there to meet people where they are as they walk into our care and then help them to understand that we are reaching across their cultural uh, belief systems and into those belief systems to support them with genuine care, love and guidance that we are hopeful and attempting to allow the best of everything that we have available to us to work on their best behalf and potentially make a difference in their life. And if nothing else, provide them with a hopeful and optimistic journey along the way. Fantastic. And and in, in broader medicine, now we talk about a concept called whole person care. Uh, the notion that that it's not just purely medical care, but there is a, you know, there are the social determinants of health, there are the behavioral components of health. And uh, so many people are, uh, you know, familiar with the idea of emotional wellness and physical wellness, and and that all of these play a role together, um, a synergistic role in in making us feel better. I, I mean, so many times, I think most most of our audience can relate that, you know, when you when you feel better emotionally, spiritually, mentally, your body feels better, and and vice versa. And um, would the following metaphor, uh, you know, kind of make sense in your world? Just as as we practice comprehensive cancer care and, and the integrative care model, where you have multiple uh, team components, whether it's it's radiation therapy or nutritional therapy. Uh, what you offer uh, and what you lead, uh, Percy, is very similar to that. Some patients need this and benefit from this, and and in other cases, um, you know, it, it may be an adjunctive part of the model. I mean, personally, I believe that everybody certainly can use emotional support, but specifically with your program, you see yourself as a part of the integrative team. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, the pastoral care, uh, spiritual support team. And all of the uh, facilities of Cancer Treatment Centers of America are very, uh, under they understand very clearly uh, that at the end of the day, that they are not a separate entity unto themselves. Uh, you know, we are not a church. We are not a faith-based organization. Uh, we're not even a spiritual organization. We are an organization that understands and respects, as you have so adequately articulated, the holistic, uh, integrative uh, model of care. And when we use the word holistic, some people tend to get lost with that term. And I like to always highlight, you know, spelling that term W-H-O-L-E, looking at all of the moving, connecting components that makes a human being what they are. The composite nature of, of human beings are, have several moving mechanisms, but they are all interconnected, as you stated. And in theory, they, they have impact one upon another. And so uh, the pastoral care, uh, spiritual support team, understand that we are part of the integrative model and that we're part of a team of other healthcare professionals uh, that focus on other disciplines uh, like uh, emotional support, behavioral support, et cetera, et cetera, that we tie into that team and, and we play the part of allowing individuals to utilize what they deem appropriate for them uh, in terms of spiritual care and spiritual support. Uh, we do not dictate that, that conversation or even the focus of what spirituality means to that individual. We're really there to allow that patient to drive the bus. And, and we're fortunate that we're being allowed on that bus to be a passenger 
or a partner with that individual. So our teams are indoctrinated around the idea that we are there to aid and assist where patients want to go, where they're desiring to go, and how can we align ourselves with their unique and specific uh, spiritual uh, proclivities and support them accordingly. And if that is not appropriate for them, and if that is not desired, then we're there to simply be a friendly face and a smile to say that we're here to encourage you today and let you know that we love you and we care for you. So there is no agenda from our team's perspective. The agenda is being set by the patient and their caregiver. I, I think that's so important for, for you to mention because sometimes, uh, as is the world, especially the world in 2021, people can hear uh, you know certain words or certain programs and and maybe uh, misconceive or um, hypothesize that that a program is is something very different than than what you've described. Uh, but but to be clear, uh, not only is this a very you know you're, you're not forcing anything on, on on anybody, but you are you are really there fundamentally to to help people in their time of need to meet people as you to meet patients where they are in their journey and and just like occupational therapy or speech therapy may, may not be for all patients. Similarly, spiritual support may not be for all patients as well, correct? Pastoral care and spiritual support uh, basically can be brought to the table, but individuals can certainly reject that or say that that is not something that they desire to have. And so typically we are introduced to patients just to introduce our services and to check in on the well-being, a temperature check, if you will, of the well-being of a patient and to uh, let them know uh, what certainly is available to them, but certainly and never uh, to force anything upon anyone at any time. And again, to make sure that that patient feels like that they are the primary driver of their care and the choices and options that are available to them. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you and I have discussed this before, but but certainly as as human beings, uh, you know, we have uh, sometimes just these big, these big life questions, right? You know, uh, why am I here? Or what's the purpose of what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? These these things that all of us, uh, uh, I think it's it's fair to say, uh, you know, struggle with or or um, you know, are, are on a continuous journey. And cancer, as it does in so many ways, has this really uncanny ability to kind of stop us in our tracks and and sometimes bring those big questions to the fore. Uh, sometimes really set the smaller trivial things that used to trouble us or bother us in life and just say, wait, hold on. You know, it, it puts things in perspective. And and one of the many, you know, important functions of, of spiritual support that that you and others provide is is to help frame and, and add some perspective to some of those questions, is it not? That is absolutely accurate. And it's important to understand the power of spirituality uh, in that context, because believe it or not, uh, you know, spiritual support then begins to provide for many what I call the three R's, uh, a reason, a resource, and a right to work through the mental, emotional, and on many levels, physical rigors of cancer treatment, uh, and all of the different dynamics that are associated with it. Uh, a cancer diagnosis definitely arrests the attention. Uh, one of the former patients that I supported many years ago, uh, I will never forget how she articulated this to me. 
and and I didn't have a grasp upon it until I heard those words being sent to me directly and personally was the fact that cancer is the only word that you hear in big bold letters in your head that literally you don't hear anything else and it stops and it arrests your attention. And when you come out of that state of, of a suspended animation, then there are many big life questions that begin to, to bubble up to the surface. There's a ton of things that this uh, disease will cause people to begin to uh, ruminate over and think about and, and process and spirituality and spiritual support provides a framework, as you stated, for people to begin to work through that and potentially put some solid sensibility around that. As an example, when I uh, was diagnosed and told that I had cancer, uh, I began to think about what does this mean for me personally? And, and then moving forward, how do I translate that into my relationships, into my work, uh, into my day-to-day -day environment? And for me personally, I was able, as stated earlier, to kind of associate it with uh, an ongoing and elevated call and mission to the cancer community, but to do that in a more authentic manner because now I can speak from a firsthand perspective versus a secondhand or thirdhand perspective. Many cancer patients, when told that they have cancer, uh, actually find new renewed purpose. Uh, they find new creative uh, mechanisms and ways to express themselves in their community, in their family. Uh, they dial into a, a sense of uh, being more courageous about things that they never considered doing, as one patient said to me, that a cancer diagnosis and spiritual support helped bring out her warrior spirit. So there's a lot of very profound dynamics that then can come forward, but spiritual support empowers individuals to take what in many cases can be viewed as a very negative experience and a negative challenge to begin to re-engineer uh, how I can make this work and take my life in a different direction to create greater meaning, value, and purpose in my personal life, in my family, in my local community, at my church. You know, Pat, I can't tell you how many people have started ministries, out uh, personal ministries out of being diagnosed uh, as a cancer patient, that they never thought that that would be anything that they would ever do uh, with regard to their diagnosis. But because of spiritual support, it enabled and it grounded them and then it gave them a greater perspective that helped them to re-engineer uh, how they viewed themselves. And more importantly, what could they do as a result of now being a person with cancer? Wow, I, I I love what you said. I love what that patient said in terms of you know bringing out her her warrior spirit. And I, I in particular, I, I love this notion that cancer um, really kind of sharpens one's focus and kind of tightens one's lens on the rest of their life and and how they want to live that life. And and this is a uh, a way to kind of help channel or thought partner to that positive energy as as people see, as they often do, a cancer diagnosis as a big, if not the inflection point in, in one's life. Uh, and, and really, you know, you're helping to support that. The other thing you mentioned there, Percy, was this notion of community. And I'm sure that as, uh, as many people kind of hear, you know, this and they kind of nod their heads and they, uh, they say it makes sense. One question they might have is, well, you know, I might be a part of a community already and, 
and have a community pastor or priest or rabbi, and they might be wondering, you know, how is it different or how does this interact with spiritual care in the oncology setting versus this uh, community leader of faith that I that, that they might be used to interacting with? Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, I I grew up uh, basically a third generation pastor on my mom's side of the family. Church was basically the family business for my family. And so all I ever knew was the community, local church and and the office of the pastorate that stood in a community within four walls and a steeple that basically provided uh, spiritual support and encouragement and development to that group of people. And when I finally made the decision to uh, answer my own personal call to follow that path, I, I, I applied myself to some didactic training, uh, some seminary Bible college uh, exercises. You know, it's important at the end of the day to receive counsel from experts, if you will, who are inside of that clinical environment, who understand the nuances of, of the language, of the temperament, of the, the different highs and lows. Uh, that patients go through, we can be a supplement uh, as an adjunct of support to the good work and the great work that all local churches and local pastors and, and faith leaders are providing, but adding another dimension and dynamic that includes ministry to patients mentally, emotionally, and physically dealing with the effects of cancer. Such an important point. You know, as you were, uh, you know, sort of articulating that, I I've had the discussion before that, that particularly in times of need, sometimes these pillars in the community, um, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, pastors or, or, or leaders of faith, um, doctors, sometimes educators, people sometimes look at those individuals as, as somebody who can do it all, right? But, but I think you talk to most people in those respective professions, and, and I've had some of these conversations, they say, you know, I'm not in a position to, uh, you know, I don't feel comfortable, uh, you know, with, with some of the needs that this individual might have uh, kind of across those channels. And uh, certainly it makes sense that, uh, that that happens with, with community leaders of faith. And in fact, you've developed this, this phenomenal program uh, that really uh, trains ministers on how to uh, counsel their cancer their cancer patients in their community. Can you can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, Pat, it's it's the greatest privilege uh, that I've had in my life. It's it's been my life's work to this point. Uh, this program now is roughly eighteen years old. Uh, it's entitled Our Journey of Hope. This ministry support training basically was birthed at the bedside of a patient at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Chicago. And as a result of a lot of time uh, that was spent with this particular patient who was not doing very well, uh, basically returned back after a couple of subsequent visits and began to look remarkably better and began to progress and get better, basically asked me if I would be willing to sit down with her local pastor uh, and his consortium of pastors in the community and share some helpful tips or insights of what pastoral care support or spiritual support is within a clinical context, not in a church context. And I think that's the key uh, distinction to be made here. 
And um, and so I proceeded to do so. I put together a little rough PowerPoint presentation and, you know, I took my happy self down to this local church community of about 20 pastors who were all called together to say, OK, yeah, what are you going to tell us about healthcare and ministry and cancer? And we simply shared with them very practical insights from a clinical medical perspective of how we could merge and amalgamate again, respectful spiritual support and not undermine medical care and clinical excellence that that the two forces or principles could work together and not fight against one another. And that began the process of what we now call our journey of hope. Fast forward uh, here now, 18 years later, we have trained over 2,000, probably close to 3,000 churches worldwide now with this program and helping to train local pastors or faith leaders to go back to their local respective community congregations and start a cancer care ministry. So we wanted to extend the focus and the vision and the passion and the energy of really taking good care of our patients. But we wanted to do that even as they left out of the purview of our facilities that when they went back to their local congregations, that we would now provide their local churches with the ability to provide good, solid spiritual support and a practical way of treating and addressing cancer. And so close to 3000 churches now have been trained, uh, Africa, Europe, uh, Canada, South America, uh, and of course, throughout all of the United States of America with our journey of hope. And uh, I am blessed and I am privileged and we are empowering the entire community to bless and make a difference potentially in the lives of those people that they serve. Wow, absolutely, absolutely incredible. I, I often think about uh, a goal of impact being uh, to make impact exponential, meaning there's there's so much we can do with the direct people that we touch and, and, and can help, but when you, help somebody else, uh, help someone else, then you start getting into that, you know, that second order effect where the the sphere of, of impact and and just making the world a, a better place grows exponentially. And clearly with touching uh, thousands of, uh, of churches around uh, around the country and around the world, uh, you, you've had that. So I am uh, I'm just incredibly proud um, and, and thrilled to hear that. So let, let's say you're a patient. Uh, you know, with the diagnosis of cancer at a cancer center, uh, and looking for spiritual support, what um, what does that look like? Well, you know, how does this integrate with the care plan? What are the services that are offered, and how can patients uh, engage in those services? First and foremost, uh, individual group prayer. We are available as a team, and and we have an amazing pastoral care team at all of our sites. So for those patients who desire to have prayer, uh, we have uh, settings and opportunities where groups of people can come together. Uh, we have chapels in all of our uh, regional facilities where we provide spiritual support services. Uh, we have uh, representatives from the different faith communities, the Catholic community, uh, the Jewish community, the Muslim community uh, that we can bring into our facility to provide uh, individual prayer, group prayer, if that is something that is desired uh, by a patient or a caregiver, different things along those lines. We provide uh, the ability to have individual 
or family counseling with family members uh, that uh, desire to sit and have a discourse and to talk through the dynamics of their sense of, of well-being and what they may be working with and struggling with, we provide counseling for those individuals. Uh, again, uh, phone consultations, uh, particularly in the era of COVID, for all of us, you know, we've we've had to resort to uh, being creative and how to maintain contact uh, with patients if we can't have direct contact with them. But uh, even prior to COVID, the ability to have phone consultations when patients leave from our facility to go back to their uh, residential communities, you know, some of our patients travel out of state. We also need to make ourselves available to the patients and the caregivers. Uh, respect of spiritual leadership in their local community. So we also sit down or we have conversations with the faith leadership of people's local congregations so that their pastors or their rabbis or their priests feel comfortable with the spiritual care that is being provided to uh, their congregation member. And that uh, in some cases, they like to have some sense of how things are going. Obviously, you must respect the privacy of all patients' health care because of HIPAA, but again, to, to be able to have a connecting point with the local faith community uh, with regard to how their uh, congregational member is doing because they're, they're disconnected from their local faith community. We also provide relationship uh, to the local faith leadership of that particular uh, patient. So these are some things that, that are done on a daily basis, uh, very intentional and very structured and in, in how, from a grassroots perspective, uh, we apply spiritual support to patients and our caregivers. You know, Percy, as you speak, I'm struck by the the parallels to kind of the clinical aspects of medicine. I mean, even just your uh, staying connected with the the community, um, you know, in, in your example there is very akin to the, the same continuity of care that we might do from an oncology perspective with the you know, a, a primary care uh, physician that is taking care of the patient that, you know, so that everybody's connected and on the same page to, to, to really get to a, a better place and a better outcome uh, for the person that matters most here, which is, which is the patient and their, and their supporters. So uh, really wonderful. And, and just a, a question, you touched on this already in your, in your remarks here, but for those that might be wondering, um, can you address, let's say a patient is of a different, uh, you know, faith or denominational background than some of the pastors on the team? Uh, how do you meet those, uh, those patients where they are uh, in those situations? Super important question, Pat. And, uh, you know, let me first answer that by saying uh, I have a monthly uh, regional call with all of our uh, pastoral representatives and spiritual support leaders at all of our facilities. And as a standing agenda item on every meeting is uh, let's talk about what are we doing to make sure that everyone of any faith orientation is being supported? Uh, what are some of the relationships that you are building or have built uh, so that we can share concepts and ideas across the enterprise and make sure that we always keep that in our line of sight and never forget at the end of the day that this is not about our spiritual uh, orientation. This is about the patient's spiritual orientation. And are we attuned to making sure that we're meeting those needs accordingly? So literally, we have built community relationships 
with all of the corresponding faith communities, and we make sure that we are providing that follow-up in a timely fashion, that every patient feels that their needs are being respected and honored from a unique faith perspective, given that information, and we reach out and we make that connection on their behalf. If, if a patient were to, um, let, let's say, not necessarily be, uh, I'll use the words uh, religious in this case, um, as opposed to, to spiritual, but they wanted to engage with you and your team, uh, could they? Absolutely. And I want to say it again, and I want to be clear about this. Absolutely. At the end of the day, no matter what the spiritual orientation is or, or not of an individual, at the core of any authentic sense of faith and spirituality should be the commitment of love of community and love of humanity. And so uh, I can recall the days when I was still doing bedside chaplaincy where there had been many patients who, and they wanted me to be very clear on the fact that they were, again, agnostic or in some cases atheistic. And but would I be willing to still sit and talk with them or come by and visit and, and just provide a friendly hello or supportive word? Again, uh, the focus is and should, should be and will forever be that every patient that comes through the front door of Cancer Treatment Centers of America is to be loved, honored, and respected and provided a pathway by which. Uh, that they feel honored. And so our pastoral care teams are adept, trained, and prepared to do just that with each and every individual that walks through the front door. Phenomenal. Uh, you know, so, so proud to be having uh, a conversation like this with you. So proud to hear an answer like that. Uh, and uh, proud to, to call you a, a teammate and colleague. As, as we begin to kind of, you know, bring uh, what has been just an incredible conversation. I can talk to you for, for hours uh, to a close here. Just a couple of, of final things here. I, I think you've done an incredible job of, of describing, uh, you know, what spiritual care is all about and, and how it works, how you meet, meet the patient where they are. Let's talk a bit about, you know, kind of studies or evidence or outcomes. You, you touched on, on a study earlier on, but in terms of, this being a part of the integrative care model, what have been the results? Uh, you know, if we look at certain side effects of which I often say in, in cancer, the, the side effects, managing the side effects are is as important as managing the disease itself. Uh, which side effects are you able to manage with spiritual care? There are, there are three different areas specifically and some studies that helps us to really wrap our head around the potential effectiveness of, of uh, spiritual support to cancer patients. Number one is depression and anxiety. There's a study uh, from the National Library of Medicine uh, that basically shows a positive and significant relationship between spiritual well-being, mental health, and quality of life in cancer patients. So that gives us something to understand that we're not just there to be, you know, decoration. We're not just there just to kind of uh, have a good moment with patients, but potentially uh, the application of spiritual support can help patients work through the dynamics of depression and anxiety. The second category uh, is coping with pain, being able to deal with pain. We know, and, and as you well know, Pat, that pain management is, is a major dynamic in the treatment of cancer, uh, you know, surgery, and et cetera, et cetera. 
So one of the other possible benefits of spiritual support, uh, according to, again, by the same group, the National Library of Medicine, shows that patients with pain use a number of cognitive and behavioral strategies. And this is an interesting way that they worded this, uh, to cope with their pain, including religious or spiritual factors. And I'd like to say, or rituals such as prayers or seeking spiritual support to manage their pain. And so when we understand the potential impact and the effectiveness of spiritual support in its proper perspective, we also may have the ability to help people work with or cope and manage with their pain. And then the third category is insomnia as a side effect. Prayer and spiritual music may help ease anxiety and return a patient uh, to a state of calm that will allow them to, to potentially gain some rest and relax. So these are three big areas that many cancer patients struggle through that spiritual support has, the, has a possible impact to help negate or at least manage on some level. Um, amazing, I mean, really, really amazing. And going back to what I said before in terms of cancer being uh, not just a disease of the body, but a disease of the mind, and one where managing a patient's symptoms throughout is is essential to good uh, cancer care outcomes uh, is is so critical. This is you, you've clearly uh, given us some of the examples where, uh, for the right patient population, this has been a a really impactful, um, n- not just leading indicator, but uh, you know outcomes. Uh, changing um, impact that uh, that you deliver. So, so again, thank you for that. Uh, I'm sure that there are so many other things that that we can go into, but I, I just want to maybe end with with one last thought or question. What's your one wish in improving, um, you know, the patient experience, and how can the cancer community better support patients from a spiritual uh, support perspective? Well, first of all, let me say thank you so much, Pat, for allowing me to share this platform with you. You know, on my podcast that I do, uh, Health, Hope, and Inspiration, shameless plug, uh, I end every episode with a very similar question. Uh, I typically ask everyone that I interview, what gives you hope or what keeps you hopeful? Uh, My greatest wish at the end of the day for all healthcare institutions, uh, this is certainly true for Cancer Treatment Centers of America is to continue to be respectful and to understand that spirituality is an important component that makes a difference and matters to a lot of people. And that when they come into the healthcare environment, uh, those individuals are nervous, they are apprehensive, they are afraid, and and in many cases, they are wondering if, if they will have to ultimately make a decision between their belief and faith in God and their belief in faith and medicine. And I'm here to declare and send the clarion call that there doesn't have to be that type of tug of war and push and pull, that, that those two worlds can come together in a way that is comprehensive and that is uh, respectful one of another's discipline, but more importantly, brings value to the patient who for Cancer Treatment Center of America, we value more important than any other individual school of thought it, it is only about and always will only be about the patient. What do they want? What do they value? And how can we deliver that to them in an effective, uh, timely manner 
that benefits their mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being toward health and healing. At the end of the day, to be accepting, more accepting, more supportive, and more responsive to the faith community that allows them to believe that we care about them and that we are concerned and willing to partner with them to provide them with a reason, with a resource to believe that tomorrow potentially can be a better day. Wow, well, what a what an incredible uh, way and place to, to end, Percy. Uh, you are a, uh, a busy guy who is truly, truly changing lives and changing the world. Um, so I appreciate you spending uh, time uh, with me today on, uh, on Focus on Cancer and uh, just really, really lucky to, uh, uh, to have you on the show and such a pleasure. Thanks again, Percy. Well, God bless you, Pat, and God bless the work of CTCA. And I just leave on this note. Remember, we've got work to do, so let's keep chopping the wood. God bless. 